Welcome to this intuitive public radio where we are bridging emergent strength. Thank you for tuning in. I am talking today with a very wonderful and interesting person. I wonder if you would introduce yourself and community culture's uh, imminent October 2020 events. Sure. So my name is Trevor Ring. I am a fermentation educator and I run a business called Community Cultures. Um, I would say right now it's kind of paused in the, the business term and that I've been using it to uh, raise funds for different organizations and starting in August I started using my fermentation educational workshops as a means to raise funds for black-led food justice or, or oriented organizations um, and this was Due to you know the recent events in 2020, from all the protests to the police shootings and the uprisings, and me trying to reflect on my privileges and what I can do um, as someone who also has a full-time job. Um, so I'm a cheese buyer during the day for the East End Food Co-op here in Pittsburgh, and my evening job um, is fermenting. Uh, various different sorts of foods, and then also teaching workshops every now and then. Uh, so I've been teaching fermentation workshops for uh, over six years now. I've been fermenting on my own for over a decade, and now I'm just trying to share this information with people and build off of this amazing fermentation community that's happening online. and utilizing the knowledge and amazing people that are out there to raise money to donate to organizations. Um, so this event that I'm running starting this weekend, uh, it's a two-weekend event. It's called Ferment for Food Justice. It's an international event. Over 60 presenters will be there. It's all happening virtually on Instagram Live and Zoom. And it's happening from 9... or. 10 in the morning through 8 p.m. all day, various types of fermentation-related subjects, and amazing people like Sandor Katz um, will be there, and some other great authors, business owners, home cooks, uh, what have you. And the idea is to focus on highlighting voices within the BIPOC community, the Black, Indigenous, People of Color community, and donating to organizations that represent those voices as well. And so uh, it kind of just took off by emailing a bunch of different fermentation enthusiasts that I knew, and the next thing I knew I had too many presenters to fill in one weekend, so it turned out to be a two-weekend two long event. And Community cultures themselves are amazing. Networks of community cultures are amazing. Yeah. They are activated. Right. I didn't mean to cut you off at the end there. No, no, that's perfect. I mean, that's the idea behind community cultures, and it's happening so naturally. is connecting people and microbes and creating a community in themselves. You know, it's, it's much broader than talking about 
the symbiotic relationship between microbes and the benefits of fermented foods, but it's about connecting people and creating a, now an international community and utilizing the resources that we have virtually right now and how people can come together. So. That is so close to our hearts here. Welcome. We're so glad to have you, and we hope you'll come back frequently. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. No, I wonder if we could talk for a minute or two about the health disparities in BIPOC communities um, that can be addressed so easily, can, can be reversed and prevented when, when we intentionally collaborate with one another and have certain conversations. For instance, the conversation about microbial foods and ancestral food preparation, things that many, many people are so cut off from, especially at intersections of poverty and violence. Um, when we are talking about it together, when we are dreaming about it together and, and um, learning things, and eating together and enjoying the nourishment of connecting in those ways, we have so much more leverage in regards to, to health disparities, especially, especially racial health disparities. And um, I, I have certainly had profound experiences about that in my life, and I'm certain that you have, and I would like to know what yours are. <laughs> Um, where to begin? So, I mean, I think it's, it's important to recognize that there are so many barriers for BIPOC, impoverished communities from having access to healthy food. You know, these are structures that have uh, been part of this nation 400 years ago, part of this land, um, and it's related to white supremacy, and it's related to um, all of the laws and regulations that have put, been put in place um, that are based on racism and unfortunately end up uh, creating nutritionally deficient communities and you know part of part of my work and part of my mission for community cultures is to make this sort of education and knowledge more accessible more affordable especially and I I did a master's degree in food studies at Chatham University, and my thesis was focused on how to make fermentation workshops more affordable for people using pay-what-you-can payment structures. So I'm utilizing that right now in this larger fermentation event, and I'm trying to figure out how that is feasible um, in running a business and also making sure that I'm approaching injustices and acknowledging that there are so many barriers from people to have access to this sort of information. Um, there's so many fermentation events out there and workshops that are pretty ritzy, they're more expensive, um, it, the knowledge isn't as accessible and affordable for people. So I'm really trying to break that down and also highlight those voices um, that are representing those communities and, you know, step off the stage and utilize my privilege in a way that can um, help create stronger dialogue and connections um, about these topics. 
Thank you for those awesome words. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Thank you. Income, inclusion, communities in, in poverty and at violent intersections having many more barriers to income inclusion. And we mentioned where, where ancestral food knowledge is, is, is lost or being squashed in, in so many different communities where people are so stressed, they don't even have time to look up if they, if they have something that, that, that a family member wrote down about how their family um, prepared food through the generations um, uh, for many people has been destroyed through all, all of, I mean, recent and for a very long time ongoing violent events. And um, when we talk about how we recover from trauma and restore or create economic participation, um, part of what drew me to what you're working on is the groups that you are featuring as part of as part of these events um, this week, this weekend and next weekend. Um, and I wonder if you could talk a bit about where the connections are for you in your work between supporting communities of color in food sovereignty, for instance, and making sure that everyone who is part of those communities has real access to income creation that, that, that is not killing them. Um, so so we, don't, we don't have to heal as much from, uh, from, from the difficulties of the world if we're not doing so much of the damage by saying people have to go to work doing things that hurt them every day. I know that's a lot of things, but um, yeah. that's part of our joyful complexity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would love to, like, take apart some of that. Um, so, you know, this event is, it's both highlighting uh, communities of color, um, BIPOC communities, and it's also donating to organizations that represent them. Um, and at the same time, it's, you know, it's making it affordable and hopefully accessible, as accessible as Zoom and Instagram Live are for people. Um, and so, you know, I think there, there are different ways of approaching these inequalities, um, these inequities, and creating an event that can at least tackle some of those and lift up some of those barriers. And through the process of creating this event and selecting the presenters, I wanted to make sure that white people were not center um, and that the majority of the people were people of color, people representing communities who aren't often represented, especially in the fermentation world. Um, I can only think of one fermentation book that is written by a person of color and I think that is problematic and you know there's also something to say about certain ancestral food ways and certain fermented foods that are part of a culture and that are held onto by that culture um, I don't think any of these products should be exploited in any way and I think it's 
you know, at times it might be okay that I can't find someone from a specific African country to represent their fermented products because maybe they want those products to be held onto. Maybe they don't want them to be mass produced, and maybe those are you know part of their heritage and their ancestral food ways. So I think there's a balance, you know, trying to make these foods um, more accessible and shared in many different ways, but also respecting the cultures that they're coming from and and recognizing that, you know, they're not mine. Uh, while I might experiment with certain fermentation processes, um, I don't think it's my place to take someone else's cultured food and to mass produce it and exploit it in a certain way. So, you know, this event is also representing putting out this knowledge so that uh, people can connect to different cultures and recognize that there are many more people out there who are like maybe of Indonesian descent and who are making tempeh at home and um, connecting to those people and, and realizing that this is you know, the, the microbes connect us all in many different ways, and, and we can find that through this sort of event. So I don't know if that answered everything that you mentioned, but just those are some thoughts that came to mind. It's wonderful. Um, we, I, I and we get very excited about every conversation having to do with microbes and the healing nature of tuning into... microbes, uh, including them in our sense of commensal community. We are all eating together, after all. Um, Before we depart from the previous subject, um, I wondered if you would speak on any one or few of the organizations that you are specifically supporting through these events. Um, we we published them, but my neurological symptoms are very severe on Facebook and have been across some of the other platforms. And I would really like to make sure that more specific content about them gets out there in addition to what I managed to share on Facebook without really remembering what I was doing. Um, so if we could spend a little bit of time there, and, and then I have at least one more question. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, all, uh, so we're now getting to five different organizations. Um, all the donations are being split equally among all of them. And I'll just highlight two so I don't go you know, too far into this. Um, first, there is uh, the Black Food Justice... The National Black Food Justice... Oh, I'm going to put you this. The National Black Food and Justice Alliance. Um, they are national-based here in the U.S. And what I love about them is that they represent many other organizations, and they're fighting for black food sovereignty um, and food justice and land access um, across the board. And they support so many different organizations. So as far as donating to a black-led food justice organization that is deeply connected to other black-led food justice organizations and able to allocate funds um, and spread them across the board. They are a very uh, rich and vibrant community to to donate to. And um, 
And I, I think these sorts of organizations are great because I can't say that I know exactly where funds should be going to within uh, the black community. I mean, I know across the board it's really important, but donating to this aggregate organization and allowing them to make those decisions feels better and I think uh, is, is a good way to go about it, especially when you're collecting a lot of donations and wanting to spread that equally among a community. Um, the other one that I would mention is it's called Habitat Sur, uh, S-U-R. They are based in the Amazon and they provide homes for indigenous communities of the Amazon. And this was recommended by one of our presenters who is from Colombia and lives in Spain, I believe. And she wanted to make sure that international organizations are represented. And we have a, a handful of South American presenters and just wanted to make sure that we are focusing on other regions of the world. And, you know, everything comes back to food. Uh, this organization isn't specifically focused on food, but um, you know, providing food and shelter and um, and supporting indigenous communities, especially in the Amazon that is being terribly ripped apart and exploited. Uh, I think that's really important. So that was the other organization that I thought was worth highlighting. Thank you, and I want to mention you. You mentioned land access. Um, and I want to also mention um, hashtag land back the, the movement for um, indigenous peoples um, in the United States, in the United States, but I'm sure not only in the United States, um, particularly in the United States, to, to have stewardship restored to them of the land that they know ancestrally how to care for most effectively and, and with least wasteful practices. And of course, we're, we're overwhelmed by the wastefulness of practices um, everywhere we look in, in dominating uh, cultural spaces, de dominating attitudes. Um, and as, as all of that is changing, um, I... I would love to touch on any points or insights that you might like to make about um, the, the land being in the stewardship of, of the original peoples of that place and here where we are, um, uh, what is so-called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but is um, originally Haudenosaunee land, for instance. And the, there are other connections that I have not been able to reach yet as a severely disabled person, but am so grateful for food sovereignty conversations and the land back conversations and similar that have been emerging everywhere with real strength. So, so any part of that that resonates for you, I would, I would love to know more where, where you are and where your work is. Yeah, I mean that's an that's an area that I I definitely feel like I am exploring more and, and learning and unlearning. Um, and as far as like this event, you know, I was I was thinking about how important it is to have some indigenous representation and also how difficult it was. I'm also not very familiar with like specific Native American fermented foods, so it's not like I could like 
you know, search a specific hashtag uh, food or, or something. Um, so I reached out to some indigenous chefs that I had heard of. Um, the sous chef, uh, who's based out of the Twin Cities, I reached out to him, and he actually has a nonprofit called Natifs, N-A-T-I-F-S, the Native American Indigenous Foodways. They are based out of the Twin Cities, I believe, and that sous chef, uh, his name is Sean, oh, I forget his last name, um, he started this organization, and we thought it was very important to be at least donating to an uh, Native American food waste organization. Um, and I spoke to a chef yesterday who is, um, who is based in Florida, and he is Native American and focuses on Koji and is doing um, really amazing, innovative work with Koji and really glad that we were able to find someone of indigenous descent and have them a part of this conversation and of sharing knowledge and especially you know, representing this land. And you know, I think that's a much deeper conversation. I think that this sort of event should also happen with specifically focused on indigenous voices. And you know, this is only the beginning, I think, for for my own exploration with this and kind of building my network of people representing indigenous fermented foods. Um, so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like, I wasn't able to find anyone within Pittsburgh to represent, like, the land that I'm on right now uh, within fermentation. But, um, you know, hopefully this, this connection with the people and the community uh, in fermentation can grow and hopefully I meet more people. <laughs> What we are learning is that the more people are having what are really courageous conversations to be having in public about food sovereignty, about hashtag land back, about BIPOC communities, about violence that is happening where food sovereignty has been stripped away. Um, when we're talking about it, we are, we are doing so much together intentionally to restore food sovereignty to communities where violence is occurring and we are uh, making it safer environmentally for more of the people who have not been able to add their voices to, to be able to emerge where we know that terrible things are happening to them, to isolated individuals and to, to, to people in communities. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of trail off our interview along here somewhere. I'm not sure where because we have we have timing scheduling things. But I want to share with you, um, as as I hope we can have more conversations going forward, that part of the violence that I and my family and communities have been through, um, part of our violent intersections has been where the value of certain food-based healing modalities is being denied by establishment networks, professional networks, mainstream resources. Um, and the kind of denial that is going on um, is resulting in 
some people having to double down and say, you're lying about what you're saying is making you sick and killing your body. And I have reconstructed my digestion from repeated, extended, long-term cycling through digestive failures where I could not take in food or water. And there's a list of other things that I won't mention right now. And the privilege of access to microbial food medicinal uh, projects because my body could only survive if my expertise inherently uh, was reflected in the, the, the access I had to food support or food equipment or food components, um, especially when uh, my digestion, because of toxicant-induced loss of tolerance and a long list of other comorbids, um, my digestion is... Uh, entirely unable to tolerate glyphosate. So in severe circumstances, when I go looking in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for verifiably organic green and low glycemic vegetables and components that will, that will manually keep my digestion running as slowly it repairs over time into resilience again, and I find almost nothing. We have to go to the farms directly, and many communities of disabled people have no idea that some people are having severe sensitivities to glyphosate, where if I eat the wrong thing, I could be dead within days because of symptom cascades. Um, so, so food access is a major conversation, and I have a whole lot of light skin privilege. Um, so we know, we know how people are being affected um, in, in, in many places across the network, in many parts of the world, many places in the United States. So your work in public, your conversations in public, um, we are so grateful for, uh, especially in Pittsburgh. Um, I and others have been very isolated um, and in very violent circumstances in Pittsburgh that we couldn't extract ourselves from for lack of this and similar kinds of public, compassionate, connected conversations. So I am grateful for that in the work that you're doing. I am happy to be part of that, and I'm glad that uh, something exists along those lines. And thank you so much for sharing all that. That's that sounds very difficult, and um, I can relate to some of it. And I I think it's amazing how how many people are turning to the power of fermented foods and you know micro microbially rich foods. Um, and I also think it's it's very sad that we are living at a time when having clean, safe, healthy, and fermented foods uh, is, is a privilege and is, is hard to find, um, especially when a time, especially because, you know, in the past, this is a way that people survived. And, you know, we're taking something of many other cultures that have been exploited over time, and we are making them more accessible to the rich and less to the poor. And um, 
yeah, I mean, breaking down those barriers is, is very important. And I think this is just one way to approach that when it comes to, to vibrant food and food that's good for the gut. Would you, um, would you tell me what is the easiest way for our community members to join and follow your efforts right away so that they get all of the updates they can possibly get? <laughs> so, um, there are three ways that we are engaging with anyone who is following me or you know, connected with community cultures, and that's Instagram, Facebook, and my website. So Instagram will be streamlined so that anyone who goes to my profile will be able to figure out if they look at it on Friday, they'll, they'll know how to engage with this event starting Saturday morning. Um, if you want to get an email, then I would go to my website and then sign up for my newsletter, and I'll be sending out the exact details on how to engage. Um, Facebook will also have that information, but I find that Instagram and my website are easier. Am I correct? Oh, whoops. Am I correct? Communitycultures.com? Yes. Great. That's wonderful. I am so glad that we got to have this conversation amidst all of the things that are going on. Do, do, you, have any, do you have any final insights that you want to share with, a, with, a, with a, a fully inclusive, mostly severely disabled audience? <laughs> Um, I just want to say that I'm, I'm grateful to be speaking to you and to be talking to your audience and I would be happy to come back and, and speak more on this subject and just about fermented foods and have it more casual and I would love for anyone who can to join the event and, and if, even if you can't, please reach out and I will be able to get some recordings of certain sessions to you and those will be made available for those who can't make it. That is wonderful. Thank you very, very much. I will hop on to my next, <laughs> my next thing. It's scheduling like this is very new for me. I died a, a, rather a lot of times most recently this last winter. And um, I, I had to regrow all of my neurology and my personhood and my sense of being a living organism, so me existing and being on a schedule with other people. Well, it seems like you're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, thank you for meeting me today, and, and I hope we can stay in a loop and, and uh, talk again soon. Likewise. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to talking more.